Oh my goodness. It is episode 200 and I am unsure as to what is happening currently as my husband is um, sitting here with me. He is my special guest this week on episode 200 and he's currently applying aloe vera you didn't expect me to uh take my pants off to lead this off did you <laughs> i did not you thought we were saving that for episode 300 yeah episode 300 is gonna be even saucier had to put some aloe on the sunburn don't mind me carry on with what you were doing <laughs> so what a way to start this episode uh i knew that at episode 200 i was gonna have to have my very special guest come back because it is episode 100 was the first time I think really that I welcomed you to the show and in a in a formal capacity and the the listeners just loved you so much that I knew I had to bring you back for episode 200 two two years later here I am 200 episodes everyone of the business with purpose podcast and uh, I guess I should welcome us. I'm not doing like a, a normal intro like I normally do. And so you're listening to the Business with Purpose podcast, but you actually already know that because you downloaded it on your podcasting platform. I am your host, Molly Stillman, and my special guest this week is my husband, John. Got my pants back on. Everybody can relax. Yeah, we've both, uh, we, we went to the beach a week before last, and we both, we both are... Uh, a bit on the pale side and uh both got extremely sunburned and there have been a lot of moments where we have very romantically applied <laughs> aloe vera to our burned bodies mm-hmm. so anyway that's what you get being together for almost 10 years now very exciting stuff do you know that that so this airs on july 1st and in 10 days very close to Toby Day. We will we will celebrate ten years together. Yep. Are you are you happy about that? The fact that it's been ten years, or the fact that you're you have agreed to stay with me for that long. <laughs> Both. Yeah, I'm I'm impressed with myself <laughs> to to have kept you around for a decade. <laughs> for a decade, a decade. It's our it's our dating anniversary, which I think actually on. Episode 100, we told the story of Toby, so we won't rehash it. Yeah, go back to the archives. Go back to the archives. But yeah, so we are here celebrating 200 episodes of the Business with Purpose podcast. And honestly, when I launched this show in the summer of 2016, uh, one, the summer of 2016, what a... It was a different time. It was a different time when I launched this thing four years ago. I was so young and naive. (laughs) Yeah, that feels like a different world. It really does feel like a very, very different time. Barack Obama was still president. Let's see. Amos was just a baby. Yeah. There was, man, we still had a whole lot of life ahead of us. (laughs) Um, And so, honestly, when I started it, I, I don't know that, I don't think I had like an end date in mind, but I certainly didn't think that I'd be at episode 200. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, when you started it, I mean, you had talked about doing it for a while. Long time. And you were the one that was like, oh, my goodness, just do it. But it's like once you decided, okay, I'm doing it, like it was up and running pretty quickly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just never, never bothered to stop. No, no. And honestly, I'm, I'm, I mean, I have already, spoiler alert, like I already have interviews done, scheduled, recorded, planned through episode like 240 or something like that yeah which one is the oprah interview is is that episode what don't 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 spill the secrets secrets uh so but here we are episode 200 we've got some fun things planned uh we got some listener submitted questions that we're gonna both answer we're gonna go over the top 10 episodes from the first 200 and uh yeah it's gonna be a good time but i guess first off is this is actually a question i've received from quite a few people and i thought it would be a good way to start off and that's just kind of like what life has been like for us the past couple of months obviously a lot of things have changed for everyone during uh covid19 but one of the biggest things for us is that you 
you know, both of us are self-employed and you, you know, you have your financial advisory practice in addition to your media company. And you went from working in an office many hours a week to working from home with me many hours a week. And so what that has been like for us. And so instead of, I don't want to focus on the negative of the hard things that have been out of quarantine, but like, what are some good things that have come out of quarantine 2020? We've developed some habits and routines that I like. Yeah, like what? Um, I mean, we do Chipotle for lunch every Monday now. Yes, I am a big fan of that. Yeah, we probably ate Chipotle once a week before, but it wasn't just understood that it was going to be the same day. It's just nice having that routine, (laughs) That routine. Saturdays, I like our Saturdays now when there's nowhere to go. You know, we can get up, have a leisurely breakfast. We can actually have sausage and eggs and all that stuff instead of the normal weekday thrown together breakfast. Yeah. Um, And then get all these house projects done. I don't know what we were doing on Saturdays before because it's not like we went out to art museums and (laughs) wine tastings on Saturdays. Oh, you seem like someone who goes to art museums. (laughs) So I I don't know what was happening with our Saturdays before, but they feel much more uh, laid back now. Yeah. I mean, I think I I would agree that one of the earliest things we adopted was, and this has never been something that we have honestly been very good at, and that's taking like a real true Sabbath. And I think initially it kind of happened almost by accident because it was more like for me with the kids, you know, all of a sudden I'm now working from home and also homeschooling. And I wanted something, especially since we weren't going to be leaving, I wanted to be able to really differentiate between a weekday and the weekend. And so it was like implementing true rest on the weekends. And what was the thing you said? It was like Pastor Benji had said something about rest. Yeah, so if you think of when God gave the Israelites the concept of Sabbath, it was they rested from physical labor. You know, they're not working in the fields and all that stuff. Well, if you think about what our work looks like now, most of us are not working with our hands like that. So what Benji had said was, you know, if you work with your brain throughout the week, like Sabbath is with your hands, right? So you get out and you do stuff outdoors and you actually do physical work which is a, it's a different kind. It's a break for your mind, which yeah. is what you want. Uh, and of course, if you do physical labor during the week, then yeah, you, you take a physical rest for your Sabbath. But yeah, it's been interesting too, just like uh, on weeknights, because um, it used to be I'd be in the office all day and then I come home after the kids get in bed, then I've got my laptop out while we're watching a show or something. Yeah. And because it felt like I was working in a different place, right? But now if I've been working at home all day, I've been much less inclined to have my laptop out in the evening. In fact, I don't think I've had my laptop out Mm, downstairs while we're watching something since whatever we're calling this started. Um, So that's been kind of nice. I've I've actually, ironically, kept my workday more confined to the actual workday. Yeah. Just because of being trapped at home. And that wasn't like a conscious decision. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, too, like our work time I feel is much more efficient like it's like even though we get distracted by other things like I feel like when you're in here and you shut the door like you're putting your nose to the grind and like same thing like when the kids are having quiet time and I know that that's my hour, hour and a half to work, like I am, I cannot like be distracted from that because I know that I'm really limited in what I'm, so I'm less likely to like just randomly be scrolling the internet and waste time. Yeah. Well, and for me, it's nice. I don't have people constantly walking to my office, yeah. asking me things, phone ringing off the hook, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Like the, those distractions going away have made the workday more. It's easier to focus. Yeah. Even though we still have kids running in and out of the office yeah. who, who are like, daddy, 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 can you come do this? Daddy, there's a bee in my room or something like yep. that. Yep. All of those things have happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yeah, I think the other thing, too, is I've really loved, I don't know, I really love having you home every day to eat lunch together. Gosh, I went back to the office for half a day. You know, I'd be in and out of the office even during the the most locked down parts of quarantine. I was still in the office, what, eight or ten hours a week. Um, But then I guess at the beginning of June, I decided to get back to being in there like half a day, Monday through Thursday. And you would have thought I was leaving you to go to Saskatchewan for a couple months. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> by being gone four hours a day for a couple of days a week. Are you saying that I miss you more than you miss me? Is that is that it? 
think you're putting words in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but well, yes. Yes. But no, you miss me too. I do. I just don't whine about it like you do. I don't whine about <laughs> it. Oh. All right. Well, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and I think the biggest adjustment for me has been recording podcasts at home because, I mean, I was recording podcasts always in the recording studio. So I've had to really like figure out how to get that to work as well at home. And that's been nice, but it's also been challenging to some extent. But I don't know. It's it's been a it's been a transition in a lot of ways. All right. So we have gotten some user submitted questions. So we're going to just dive into the uh question and answer portion. Um, These are in no particular order. I just kind of copied and pasted them from various outlets that people submitted them. We got a couple via email, a couple on Facebook, a couple on Instagram. So they're just compiled that way. Um, All right. So the first question is Kendra asks, what is your favorite quality about the other person? So I'll have you go first. Make me go first. I don't have any time to think. (laughs) Just probably the fact that you don't take yourself too seriously. Um, I don't. You're you're easy to. Uh, I don't want to say make fun of, but like I can kid around with you, and you're not going to get all up in your feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's your favorite quality about me. Probably my, my sense of humor. It's. I didn't say it's your only good quality. No. Just, <laughs> no. I like that about you. I like that. Um, for you. I mean, this is just the first thing that comes to mind because it's one of the things that I noticed about you from when I first met you. And that was even when we worked together at the radio station before we were even dating. And that's just like your integrity and your work ethic. Like it was very clear to me that that was something that was really important to you was having high integrity and and just how hard you work. And um, you're not somebody who messes around and... I mean, I think that's part of why you're such a good financial advisor is just, I mean, you're not somebody who's going to like swindle your clients. You're not somebody who's going to. As far as you know. (laughs) But you're not somebody who's going to like put together, you know, try to sell a client something just for the sake of selling them. Like you're going to give them the best, you know, plan and advice, even if it loses you money, which I just think is really, it's a rare quality these days. So ironically, I think work ethic was one of the first things I noticed about you. It might be the first like positive impression I had about you. Hmm. It was just because when you first started at the radio station, you were part time. Yeah. And I remember campaigning for them to bring you on full time. And it's not because I was trying to get with you. I think you had a boyfriend (laughs) at the time. Um, But I I really like the work that you'd done as a part timer. And this is funny to think in retrospect how hard I was campaigning for you to get hired. And it was like long before the consideration of us ever being a thing. Aww. Well, thanks, babe. I appreciate that. Um, okay, question number two. Uh, Melissa asks, John, you have edited nearly all of Molly's podcast episodes. Which one or which ones have stood out to you? Do you have any particularly favorite interviews? That's hard to say. So many of them run together. Well, I think if maybe one stands out, that's probably a good sign for you. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, there are so many of them. I can't even differentiate one from the other. Um, The dude who grew up in a dumpster was awesome. Yeah. Antonio T. Smith Jr. Antonio Smith. Yeah. He was awesome. He was good. That one stands out. And then, like, anytime you have somebody semi-famous, that's kind of cool. It's not necessarily that they're they're the best interviews, mm-hmm. necessarily. Sometimes they are. But, you know, it's cool anytime you have a big name on. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some other big names coming on you this do. summer. Which I won't tell, but... Not Oprah. That was a joke. Not Oprah. No, yeah, Oprah's a joke. But, no, August is, is going to be pretty awesome. I'm not going to tease it at not, all? I'm not going to tease it at all. All right. But I will give a hint on one of them is uh, if you're a fan of the Enneagram, you will enjoy one of those episodes. So I'm just going to throw that out there. But yeah, we've got some good ones coming up. Question number three. Um, and this one is to me, and this was from the Lemonade Boutique. And she said, how do you build your business as a woman without losing your marriage? And actually, I think you can probably speak to some of this too, because, you know, I started my blog in 2007 and I remember my roommate in college was like, what's a web blog? Like, (laughs) you know, back before it was ever a thing, but it was not ever something that I ever wanted to do 
full time. But when we got married, that was really the beginning. Like 2012 was when I really started to realize like, oh, I have a growing audience. Like, I think this is something that I could eventually do as a business. And it was a a point of contention in our first year of marriage because I was working so hard on it that you got frustrated with me at times. Yeah. Well, at the time, I saw it more as a hobby. Yeah. I didn't see the path to monetizing it. Yeah. I was like, why are you doing this all the time? Yeah. Um, I've been walking around with my shirt off for like 45 minutes. Why are you not throwing your clothes <laughs> off right now? You're working on your stupid blog. <laughs> um, but you figured it out. Yeah. I mean, and then and then once I, you know, once you realize that, oh, this is something that could, can turn into something that makes money. Um, I think you got a little bit more on board. And then obviously when I added the podcast and then you've, I mean, you've always been super supportive. I think it was really just a matter of communicating. But then I would say for us, a turning point year was 2015 when that was shortly after I had quit my day job. And so I I had just the blog as my income and then you left your previous job to start your own financial firm. And so that was a year where the two of us together were now self-employed. And so I think that was a big transition because we went from, you know, comfortable salaries and health insurance to, uh-oh, we yep. have a kid and another one on the way. And figure it out. We got to figure this out. And so 2015, 2016 was hard. I mean, that was just a hard time. Like we were barely breaking even. Well, actually, 2014 was the worst year. Yeah. Because that's when we moved in this house, and our old house didn't sell. Oh, and so yeah. we had two mortgages for eight seven, months. Yeah, seven, eight months. And all that equity trapped in the other house. Like, I was planning on, all right, I'll scrape together all this cash to make the down payment on this house. We'll sell the other house, and then I'll get my cash back. Well, that took eight or nine months. Yeah. And in the meantime, you got two mortgages, so that was... That was the roughest year financially. Yeah. And then we had our oven stolen. But that's, yeah. a, that's another story for another day. Um, our oven in our old house that was still on the market, it was somebody broke in and stole it. Apparently, that's the thing that you do is steal appliances. I don't know if it's a thing that you do. I think it's the thing that James Ray did. Yeah, James Ray. We know who did it. Yeah. The cops know who did it. And we still can't do anything yeah. about it. Very frustrating. Yeah. I'm glad that you've gotten over that all these yeah. years later. Is James Ray is the one who stole our oven. Um, and then we had to buy a new one. And this is when we had two mortgages. Anyway. You think, you think he's listened to this from his trailer? <laughs> Okay. Um, no, he's not. Um, but, you know, all that to say, to answer your question, is when we were, you know, during that season when we were building our businesses, we we had to have regular conversations where we were just talking about, like, okay, we, we understand that right now is kind of a, even though I hate this word, but it's the only word I can think of, but, like, a hustle period. This is a period where we are having to work really hard and we're going to have to make sacrifices to make ends meet and and entrepreneurship like you just if you're building a business there's going to be a period where you have to work hard but i think the biggest thing that we did very early on was we set aside time for date nights and at the beginning of the week we would always no matter what we would kind of set aside okay this week we're gonna you know I'm gonna have to work at night a couple nights a week so like maybe Monday and Wednesday nights we're working at we're both just agreeing that we are gonna work but then Tuesday and Thursday night you know we're gonna cut it off at a certain time well I think the communication there was the biggest thing because when you're talking about early on when we were first married and I was frustrated with you yeah. spending so much time in the evenings on blog stuff. I think it's, we were just out of sync. Yeah. Like I'd been working all day. I was ready to come home and you know, watch 24 or whatever. Um, and you were doing blog stuff. Well, and now we, we figured out like how to communicate about it better. So yeah, we'll just set aside an evening and say, well, yeah, we're both going to work and maybe we'll do it together in the office and we'll at least be around each other. Yeah. Um, but it's just understood that that'll be a work night. So yeah, we're just better at talking it out. Yeah. So I would say that, that that's the biggest thing is just communication, communication, communication. And really in any situation you find yourself in when it comes to your marriage is just you, there is no chance uh, that you're going to over communicate. It's really 
because um, I think it was in um, actually the episode that I did a few weeks ago with um, Dr. Randy Schroeder. And we talked about um, he's the, the guy who wrote Simple Habits for Marital Happiness. And he's a marriage and family counselor. And he just talked about how like, and I think he just he worded it so eloquently about our spouses can't read our minds like and so often I think we just assume that oh well, we've been with this person for 10 years and yes while there might be opportunities where we or times where we know what the other person is thinking like in general we can't we can't read each other's minds and so communicating your needs uh communicating things that are on your plate um and then just making sure that you're setting aside time for to date each other and that's that's just so important so and even during quarantine like you know we haven't been able to go out on a date but we're still having our weekly date nights that's another thing that we implemented during quarantine is like every saturday night is our weekly at home date night and that's something we really look forward to and so that's a way that we can kind of reconnect and focus on us and we don't talk about work or the kids or anything like that yeah well that's another thing i didn't mention earlier in the routine but now like it's just understood that yeah. every saturday night is going to be our date night yep it just it just is yep we don't have to like plan it out at the beginning of the week hey should we do a date night this yeah. no it's just understood just like chipotle on lunch at lunch on monday yeah so yeah yeah, oh, I think that's good. Um, okay, so we're going to take a break from questions. And um, I just thought it'd be fun to recap uh, the top 10 episodes of the first 200. Now, the top 10, I'm going based strictly on downloads. So these are the most popular episodes, uh, the downloads of the first 200. Um, and then I've got some honorable mentions that weren't in the top 10 download wise but are some of my personal favorites so we're gonna start we'll count down from 10 yeah you have to do it yeah. that way so uh episode or top 10 number 10 is episode 129 who was uh chris salt from the fair trade federation that was a really popular one makes sense that he would be in the yeah. uh, top 10 he would be a the top. big uh network of people to send that out to yes yes number nine was episode 149 which was Lene ferretti from 10,000 village she was really she was another uh a woman who i keynoted with at the fair trade federation conference yep. really smart woman just has been in the fashion industry forever and yeah that was a good one number eight episode 100 with you i'm down to number eight yeah you're down to number i eight. was I'm number two for a long time yeah you kept checking the stats but yeah. i'm sorry you've it's been... like as soon as i stopped checking it dropped yeah you've been ousted oh, i should have really sorry should have kept looking at the stats so. <laughs> Um, episode, uh, or number seven is episode 110. And that's actually my first solo episode. And that is how to know if a brand is ethical or not and how I decide if I'm going to shop with them. That's a good one that I've, re I've shared as like a reference point for a lot of people. So that kind of makes sense why yeah. that would be in the top 10. Number six is episode 139. And this was a really interesting one. Mark, I, th I think it's Mark Choit. I think that's how uh you say it but is that the chocolate guy no the from reflective jewelry that's the jewelry the guy jewelry guy um and that was actually one of those ones that i um you know to be honest i didn't know that much about him other than um just his he had a really long uh history of working in kind of the ethical jewelry industry but he's the most knowledgeable person I have ever spoken to when it comes to like the diamond industry and like ethics in the gold industry. And oh yeah, y'all could have talked for ten hours. Fascinating. It's funny because when you ask me to pick out yeah. what are some of the more memorable ones, like nothing stands out. But yet when you go through and name people individually, I like I remember each of these episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, rem I mean, I actually referenced that one a lot too because there was a whole conversation we had in there about the difference between like fair trade as one word and fair trade as two words so like fair trade as a set of values versus like a certification and then he went into the whole thing about like the blood diamonds and conflict free diamonds like it was just a really fascinating conversation because I mean he's just so knowledgeable anybody who's like that who's just a expert in their field I love talking to yeah um, okay number five <laughs> this one should also be no surprise but episode 136 which was actually the conference recap episode from the Fair Trade Federation conference that was a really comprehensive kind of just summary of everything I had lots of different interviews with different companies that were there um, some highlights from keynotes and that was a really that was a really popular episode yeah. 
Yeah. Um, number four is episode 130, and that was a solo episode. And that was the one that I did right at the peak of all the Marie Kondo stuff. So Marie Kondo's special on Netflix came out, and uh, it was called So You Just Marie Kondoed Your Life. What do you do with all that stuff? That was a very, very popular episode. I remember that one, too. I should mention, by the way, I don't edit the show anymore. Oh, no, you don't. I, I have actually graduated You from have that. graduated. Now you just listen to it. Yeah. Great. Yeah, great. Right? Grace handles the now editing now. Now you just listen to it. I do listen to pretty much all of them. <laughs> just kidding. Um, yes. No, he has graduated. We took some things off of his plate. And uh, so Grace is my awesome editor now. I wondered, because uh, you used to like mention me at the end of every show, mm-hmm. and then you just changed it to, uh, this is produced by Third Wheel Media. And so I, I wondered if people were going to, are they are they getting divorced? What oh. happened? <laughs> There's no scandal, guys. Yeah. No. John just had too much on his plate. We needed to take some things off of it. Um, and Grace is also like thebomb.com. Can I still say that in 2020? Definitely not. No. I can't say thebomb.com? That's several years ago. Okay. Well, Grace, you're awesome. Okay. Number three is episode 137, Rebecca Smith from Better Life Bags. Her book just came out in May. I actually got to endorse her book, which was awesome. It was the first time I've ever like been asked to endorse a book like that. It's interesting that a lot of your top downloaded episodes are more recent i guess that's just because the audience is continually growing right so yeah it makes sense um yeah that was a really good one and then also the funny thing is is like of the top 10 episodes one two three four five six episodes six of the top 10 are within like a seven episode span so i had a hot streak there for a while um, okay, number two is episode 135, Kat Eccles, the CEO of Clean Juice. That was a really, Yeah, that was a good one. That was a really good one, really popular episode. And also, Clean Juice has blown up in the last couple of years, even since I interviewed her. So that kind of makes sense that that would be a popular one. And coming in at number one, now... This one actually kind of busts your myth about, because this is an older one. Well, he's been number one for a long time. Long time. Episode 71, Devin and Morgan Klein, the founders of Bird Boot Yeah, Camp. for the longest time, I was number two, and he was number one, and I just could not catch him. No. I, I mean, mean, he was like cooking the books somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, uh, it's not even close. Like, that episode is by far the most no. popular. But also, Burn Boot Camp, even since I interviewed them, has just exploded with locations all over the country and yep. i am still a burn boot camp member we've been doing zoom workouts we just did the kickboxing with Devin this morning yeah kickbox the burn knockout yep. so anyway um so that's the top 10 episodes but i wanted to include some honorable mentions some of these are a little newer ish so they haven't maybe had as much time to catch up but these are just some of my all-time favorite episodes in no particular order but first would be episode 165 with uh santiago jimmy mayado ceo of compassion oh yeah Oh, man. One of my favorite episodes. He just has an absolutely amazing story. Um, Also, I'm just a huge fan of the work um, that Compassion International does. I just in that that conversation even more, I think, just further solidified my love for Compassion and um, and Jimmy. And yeah, man, it was so good. Episode 115, that's your boy, my boy, Antonio T. Smith Jr. Uh, Truly, it's when people ask me, what's an episode that I should listen to? I'm like, you should listen to uh, episode 115 with Antonio T. Smith Jr. That was just what a conversation. He has an incredible life story from uh, literally growing up and living in a dumpster from the age of six to 14. And then he is now a self-made millionaire. Dude is amazing. Uh, episode 101, Barrett Ward, the founder and CEO of Able. Love that guy. Just truly one of the nicest humans I have ever met in my entire life. Just, I love Abel. Um, I mean, when I, when we stopped recording, he was like, if you and your family are ever in Nashville, like, call me and come stay at my house. Like, just, that's the kind of person he is. Really good one. That was way back. Yeah, that was... Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a while ago. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit biased on this one, but whatever. It's my show. So uh, episode 155 with my dear, one of my dearest friends, one of my best friends, Sharon Hottie Miller, author, speaker, theologian. She's one of those people that the more I get to know her, the more we hang out, uh, she just makes me a better person. She's just one of my smartest friends by far. 
and just very wise. I can confirm that uh, you're a big fan. If she wasn't a preacher, I would be worried that you were going to leave me for her. (laughs) No, she's just, yeah, she's amazing. Episode 124, Leon Lee, the founder of Flying Cloud Productions and producer of Letter from Masandia. That was great. That was a really good one. And then last but certainly not least... Episode 153 with Kev on stage. I should have named that one as one that stood out. Yeah. We actually, uh, one of your Christmas presents this year, as you already know this, but I'm telling the listeners, is yeah, I got yeah. tickets. I, I understand how podcasts work. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I understand uh, that you're not talking to me you necessarily. Know, going to uh, to see Kev on stage. And yeah. uh, we got we did the meet and greet. Oh, man, it was so fun. But he actually remembered me. I was like, um, I had you on my podcast last summer. And he was like, oh, yeah. We, I was like, this is what we talked about. And yeah, he's just, he is, I love that guy. He has been uh, something else on Twitter for the last he's, few weeks. Yeah, he's fantastic. He is. Fantastic. I mean, he's always been something else on Twitter, but especially yeah. the last yeah. few weeks. So if you follow. Trapped at home, making all that content. Oh man, so much content. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you follow Kev on stage, um, then you know. If you don't, then you should follow Kev on stage because he's one of the funniest humans. I mean, when we left that show, when we went to see him live, like my cheeks hurt, my my stomach hurt from laughing so hard. So anyway, so those are my top episodes. If you're new-ish to the show, here's your quarantine binge listening list for you. All right. So some more questions. Are you uh, are you ready for some more questions? Let's have them. All right. Walter asks, John, do you ever feel like a hashtag... Instagram husband. What's that mean? Okay. Well, you know, there was like the whole, um, there was like a viral video. Of Dudes that have to take pictures for their wife all yeah. the time. Now, I want to preface this before you say whatever you're going to, I'm going to answer <laughs> a little bit before you answer this, is that I have actually done, gone out of my way to not have you be an Instagram husband. Yeah. I used to take outfit pictures for you a lot. I haven't done that in a long time. No. I've, I've, I, because I love you. I love you. I hope you know that. But every time I would ask you to take my outfit pictures for me or take pictures for like anything, it was like I was asking for your right kidney. That's not true. <laughs> I was always cooperative. You were. I wasn't necessarily competent. You would always like do all the focusing and get the lighting right and then hand me the camera and go stand in the right place. You're like, don't move. Hold it right here and press this button. <laughs> So, but needless to say, I have truly tried to do my best to have you not be an Instagram husband, but I don't want that to taint your answer too much. Well, so so the thing that I always encounter is um, your fame just spreads so far and wide. I am constantly encountering people or situations, like people that know you, like you don't know them, but they know you. The, The best time by far Oh, I know exactly what you're. This was a couple of years ago, and we were we were at my parents' house. It was around Christmas or Thanksgiving. It was Christmas, and uh, the local theater was doing a Beauty and the Beast show. Yeah, and so we'd gone to this like breakfast with Belle. Yeah, to take Lily there, and you know they were using it to promote the show. So they had all the the characters. The cast was all there, and they're all in character. And there was uh, was it. Miss Potts or who was it was the wardrobe the singing wardrobe who comes around and she's in character never breaking character going around meeting all the people at all the different tables (laughs) yeah yeah and then she gets to our table and is like are you Molly (laughs) (laughs) and I was like you've got to be kidding me (laughs) like this is not in our town it's not local but somehow the singing wardrobe knew you so that was the, that was the most ridiculous but you've gotten messages all the time over the years where it's like i just saw you in chick-fil-a but i was too scared to say anything <laughs> it's like what is wrong with you people um no. but uh this was so this was the, the most recent so just a couple nights ago i was at lowe's <laughs> and as i was pulling out there was a couple loading some stuff in their SUV that clearly was not going to fit. They'd bought cabinets that were in these big boxes, and they was not even close to fitting in their SUV. So I had my truck, of course, and so I was asking if they needed some help, and they're like, yeah, it's not going to fit. I said, well, where, where are you taking it? And the girl immediately looked kind of sheepish and said, uh, we live pretty close to you, actually. <laughs> You're Molly's husband, right? I was like, oh, my gosh. How do you how do you know who I am and where I live? And I have no idea who you are. So that was funny. Um, but yeah, then I 
drove some cabinets to their house. So worked yeah. out. Well, but the funny thing is that so then she like because we haven't met, met in person and Lauren, if you're listening to this, it was just such a great story. Uh, but yeah, we haven't met in person and we've just kind of connected. You know, she's messaged me on Instagram. And so she messaged me on Instagram was like, uh, you're not going to believe this, but uh, your husband is currently driving some cabinets home for us in the back of his pickup truck. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear about this when he gets home. <laughs> So, yeah, we've definitely the wardrobe is definitely the weirdest. And, and and just to be clear, like I'm not famous, but it, it is fun when I get to meet listeners or people that have read my blog over the years in person out in the community. They're out there. I've I've I mean, airports, I've definitely met them in airports and when we've been traveling, so all kind of all over. Okay. Uh next question is from Lady Tar Heel 1015. And she asks, do you have any first steps or resources for couples to get on the same page financially before marriage? That's a good question. I'm actually going to let you answer this since you're a financial advisor. I don't necessarily have specific resources. I think just communication is important. I mean, use a budgeting app. Get something, whether it's Mint or Every Dollar or um, what is it? Uh, YNAB. You need a budget. Oh, yeah. Um, Use one of those and just use it as an opportunity to communicate about. I mean, that's the the biggest issue that I see couples have with money is they just don't talk about stuff. And then when they do talk about it, it turns into a, well, he does this. Well, she does this kind of blame game. Um, And there's just no proactive discussion happening. So if you'll just talk about the stuff beforehand and put the rules in place, well, then if somebody breaks a rule, it's easier to identify Instead of after the fact, being mad at each other for what one another bought. Well, if if there were no guidelines ahead of time, how was anybody supposed to know that they were making you mad with what they did? So so communicate ahead of time, get the rules in place. And it sounds, you know, people don't like the sound of budget or rules because it sounds confining or restrict. Maybe... A plan is just a better way to think of it. Don't think of it as a budget. Think of it as your monthly spending plan. And if all you, if the extent of your communication is just talk about it at the beginning of the month, how do we do last month? And what do we have coming up this month? I mean, once a month, I say, I'm budgeting for the beach. Anything else coming up this month I need to put in the budget? Like that's the extent of our communication yeah. about it. But we've been doing it for a long time and we know about what we need to have budgeted in each category. So yeah, it'll be a little bit of a pain in the butt at first. I mean, it certainly is something you can do before you get married, like get an understanding of what the other person is likely to spend you blind on so that you can have a conversation about how you're going to manage that. Yeah. And understanding like how your spending habits might change. and, And yeah, and it's not that you're like beholden the budget is not beholden to you. Like, it's like you set the rules and then you follow them. Yeah. Well, you're the adult, so you get to make the yeah. rules. But once you set the rules, you yes. have to follow the rules. Yes, exactly. But you do get to make the rules. Yeah. Now, a follow-up question, because I know that this is one that I've actually gotten quite a few times. Um, and so, again, since you're a financial advisor, I feel like you can speak to this because you've met with thousands of people over the last, or maybe not, maybe not thousands, but... I don't know, maybe you have. At this point, probably. Probably thousands. Is whether combining finances or not combining finances. Now, we are both big advocates for combining finances. Like you get married, you become one. Like your finances are combined. Um, can you kind of speak to the the instances you've seen where couples that don't combine versus couples that do? Well, I think we have to define the terms, first of all. What do we mean by combining finances? Is that just saying we have a joint checking account? Mm -hmm. But if you have a joint checking account and you're not communicating about how money is going to work, that is as much a disaster as just having completely separate accounts. I mean, I actually know people who have separate accounts, but they still, there's, it's still teamwork. It's not his money and her money. They just have separate accounts because mechanically that works best for them. Mm -hmm. Um, But they still have a budget. They still, it's still household finance that they're doing. Um, They've just found that instead of including in the budget, you know, his spending money and her spending money, basically what they do is they have a joint account. 
and they'll both put money in the joint account for household expenses. And then they each keep a few hundred dollars in their personal accounts, which becomes their, their spending money. So it's the same thing as the way we do it. It's just, they're not doing it all out of one account. They're just accounting for it a different way. Yeah. Biggest thing I see, um, where keeping the finances more separate occasionally will make some sense is second marriages. Mm. So, when I see folks that are in their second marriage, there's a very high probability that at least one of them, part of the reason for their divorce had something to do with money. Mm. Um, And even if it wasn't the reason for their divorce, uh, money was an issue in their past marriage. And so often in second marriages, it's, it's hard to just immediately trust again and say, all right, we're going to combine everything. Yeah. Um, So I've seen people in second marriages work toward, eventually getting to the point of combining finances, but they're not ready to do it out of the gate, which is understandable. And then sometimes it's just like, you know, they're in their fifties at that point, (laughs) their kids are grown and gone. Like it's just a different stage of life. Yeah. And maybe they'll never combine them just because they each sort of have their own lives and their own plans set up. Yeah. So it can work in those situations, but communication is still important. Yeah. No, that's good. That's a good answer. I hope that answered your question, Lady Tar Heel. Um, okay, Jim asks, where do you see the other person in 10 years? Where do you, you see me You will be in 10 years? well into your mid-40s. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I hope you'll be living on a farm with me. Yeah. Oh, so you're really projecting your 10 years <laughs> on me. Well... <laughs> Just saying, I, I hope you're there. Yes, I mean, I plan That's to be there. That's where I hope you physically are. I, I plan to be there. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't think any, I don't foresee anything substantially changing with your life. I think you'll just keep doing what you're doing continually bigger and better. Yeah. And will I have be written even my book more famous. <laughs> well, you have written your book. You maybe will have gotten the book proposal done <laughs> <laughs> 10 years from now. Thanks for speaking that into existence <laughs> for me. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, for you, I definitely see you more, um, you're, you're still obviously a financial advisor, but you're working much more kind of part-time and you're homesteading. That is the dream. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's where I see you. Um, okay. And then, uh, from Natasha, she said, you ask this every episode. So I want to ask it of you. And that is, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? So I'm actually going to ask you first to say, what does it look like for you to run your business with purpose? And then I'll answer. Well, I probably won't phrase this very well since you just sprung it on me at the last minute. Yeah. But, um, I think in a lot of cases in our culture, we demonize making a profit. Hmm. And I think it's important to understand that that's not evil. (laughs) It's what you do with the profit that you make. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously you interview a lot of people that the essence of their business is like their life mission, essentially. Uh, But I think there are a lot of people out there where... (laughs) It's important to understand. It doesn't matter what their business is. It doesn't matter what they're selling or what they're doing. The way they live their life, they're running a business and they're running it well. And if they stopped that business, they could start another business in a completely different field and run it efficiently and run it well. They could make money doing a number of things. But the point is, in their personal life, they're generous with their money. Like I know a lot of financial advisors that are some of the most generous people I've ever met. Yeah. I know many that are not, but some of the guys I know like give away unbelievable amounts of money. So I think a lot of times it's easy to get hung up on what am I doing? And yeah, I mean, you want to be doing good with your actual career. But to me, at the end of the day, the the biggest purpose is make a profit so that you can employ people, you can employ more people, you can be generous with the money that you've made yeah, and build a stable household and impact your community it doesn't have to be necessarily your job itself having the purpose it's what you do with the money you make yes that's that articulates so perfectly which i knew you would answer that question well but yeah that articulates so perfectly like honestly like one of the things that i have really tried to do with this show is yes there are a lot of people that are you know using their business like 
as that it's their life's mission, but also just to show kind of everyday people who have just done a lot of really great things with who they are. I mean, I think of like people like Dave Sanderson, like the guy who was the last passenger off of the plane that landed on the Hudson, that crashed and landed on the Hudson. Like that's a guy who just was working like a corporate America type job, but took a really terrifying, life altering situation and has now used it to impact and 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 help people in a lot of ways. Or I think of somebody like um, Jeremy Cowart, who was somebody I had on the show last summer. And um, to watch how he has been incredibly generous with his time and talents in ways that make him no money. One of the really powerful things I've seen him do out of out of coronavirus is, you know, as a photographer, as somebody who makes his living taking pictures of other people, is he has donated, I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of hours of his time taking pictures of um, first responders and kind of telling their story. And even more impactful in the last few weeks is in Nashville, he basically like i don't know exactly how he came across them but like he he invited people who were protesting um during uh the black lives matter protests and he was bringing them in and just having them take these really powerful images and like superimposing their own words and experiences on them and like as a way to just kind of visually share people's stories and he's done none of this for money like and he's just donated so much time but then he, I mean, he talked about when he was on the show like the images that he took uh during after the the wildfires in Gatlinburg and the earthquake in Haiti and like that's somebody who has just who's incredibly generous with his time and money and yep. so I think that's a really good but there are a lot of people who are in a position to do things like that. Yeah. Because they successfully right. made a profit for a yep. lot of years. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. That's a great, great answer. Um, and then for me, um, what does it mean to me to run a business with purpose? I mean, I think for me, it all started in 2011 is when I really made a very conscious shift in my blogging career, I guess you you could say. And it was when I really realized that what I was sharing was something that was impacting people in a way that I never would have thought would impact people. Um, And I was just very open about my my journey, like being in debt and working for jobs and then um, coming to faith in, in Christ and uh, you know, moving to a new state and meeting you and um, and the emails that I would get from people who would just say, you know, I, I you know, when I shared that I was out of debt, like people, I got hundreds, if not thousands of, of comments and emails from people that just said, you know, what, I've been in debt for years and I was too afraid to get help. And because you shared your story, I am going to reach out and get help. Or, you know, when I shared about our pregnancy losses, the amount of people that have come out of the woodwork. I mean, I've had women who are in their 70s and 80s who have emailed me and said, somebody shared your story and I read it and I lost a baby in the second trimester or that I had a stillbirth, you know, 60 years ago that I never told anybody about or never really dealt with. And you gave me permission to remember and honor that child. Like that is for me by far like the reason that I keep doing what I'm doing. I hate to break up this moment, but did somebody really say they had a stillbirth 60 years ago? Because that would make them like 82. That's what I just said. That the, I had people in like their 70s and 80s no. that emailed me. Okay. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. I mean, I because it was like somebody had shared the post on Facebook and then they, you know, they saw it in like the woman had seen it in her timeline and she read it and she she emailed me from that. I mean, but I mean, this was multiple, multiple women who were older and who and because that generation especially like they just did not talk about miscarriage and pregnancy loss and stillbirth like it was just such a taboo subject especially for women of that age and they just talked about how 
it was just something that, uh, you know, gave them permission to even all those years later um, to talk about. Well, I can quite confidently say I have never inspired anyone in their 80s. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Nah, I'm sure you have. Pretty sure I haven't, but thank you. <laughs> Um, okay, that was great. Okay, so we're here. We're wrapping up at the end. I just want to say thank you to those of you who are listening. I would not still be doing the show 200 episodes later if nobody was listening to it. So really, truly, I mean, I know it sounds cliche to say, like, I'm here because of you. But really, truly, I, I am. I would not be doing this if it weren't for uh, your support. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, just want to thank you for those of you that have taken the time to leave a review. I am not somebody who's going to be like, go to iTunes, leave me a review, five stars only. Like, I'm not going to do that. Um, but I, I do encourage you that if you want to leave a review, it is much appreciated. It just, it really does help me to know how the show is is helping you and it helps other people kind of it gives some social cred to the show so if you want to take a moment to to leave a review you can but you also totally don't have to the biggest thing is is subscribing that's big and sharing the show on social media really is like it's totally free for you to do and it is incredibly helpful when you do that if I did anything ever on social media, I would share it. But oh, alas. Thank you. You don't. You post on social media like maybe twice a year at most. Yeah. If I have something smart alecky to say. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, um, but so I just did want to quickly share just a couple of reviews just to say thank you. Um, first review is from Writing Whisperer. And it says, this podcast is fun to listen to, but also sharing such an important message. Not only does this teach you about the businesses changing the world, but it also helps you learn how to be one of those businesses. Very inspiring stories and messages. Thanks, Writing Whisperer. Um, and then Susan8808 said, if you are the owner of a social impact business or a consumer who wants to shop more responsibly this is a must listen molly is very relatable thanks and funny thanks and has the most inspiring guests her and her guests are small business owners changing the world and uh this one from jimmy crawdad I've been listening to the podcast for a while, and it is the best of its kind by far. The host, Molly, is passionate and knowledgeable about ethical businesses, but also comes across as very personable. The community around this podcast is also dynamic and a great spot to get plugged in. Thanks, Jimmy Crawdad. I appreciate it. And uh, I don't share this much on here, but I will uh, now. If you are not a member of the Purchase with Purpose Facebook group, that is a great place to get plugged in and connected. You can just go on Facebook and search purchase with purpose. And uh, I think it's a fair trade, uh, an ethical fashion warrior collective or something like that. I can't remember exactly how it's worded, but purchase with purpose, find that Facebook group, join us. Um, It's just a great place to ask questions. It's we're at over like 1200, 1300 members or something like that. So um, it's a really fun, um, encouraging, active community. And I will say like, I'm a member of a lot of Facebook groups, And there are a lot of Facebook groups that are not, that have a lot of like really mean people in them. And this is one of those Facebook groups that just, it doesn't go off the rails. Like the people in it really are super genuine and kind and want to help each other be better. So you should definitely check it out. All right, John, thanks for coming on the show for episode 200. Pleasure. See you in another two years. I love you. Love you. You look hot, by the way. Thanks. Thanks.